Hey friends, welcome to Boss Barista, the podcast about workplace equity and employee empowerment in coffee and beyond. I'm Ashley Rodriguez. This is an episode of the podcast where the conversation just clicked. It felt like a switch was turned on. My guest today is Ji Yung Hang, co-owner of Bean and Bean Coffee in New York City. Ji Yung's parents opened Bean and Bean's first location in 2008, a few years after immigrating to the United States from South Korea, amidst the year's financial crisis. Since then, Jean's life has been wrapped up in coffee. It comes naturally to her. It's embedded in her senses. Jean has a background in UX work, or user experience design, and takes that knowledge to help run Bean and Bean alongside her mother. On their website, Bean and Bean has a detailed and clear commitment laid out to promote gender equity. Almost all the coffees they buy are from women-led farms and cooperatives, and they aim to have all of their coffees powered by women by 2022. Their stores are also reflections of their communities, including a flagship location in the Little Neck neighborhood of Queens, where Jean grew up. In these interviews on Boss Barista, I connect with people in different ways. Sometimes the connection is immediate. Sometimes it's helped along by a previous encounter or even a longtime friendship. And sometimes the connection just never really comes together or never really starts. I'd never met Jean before I asked her to be on the show, but her clarity and deep intentionality clicked for me instantly. Jean articulates so much of the potential of coffee, what responsibly run shops can look like, what being value-driven means, and how to actually grow. Growth for Jiyoung isn't about expansion, but about depth, about learning, honing in on your craft and getting better at what you do. I can't recommend this interview enough. Here's Jiyoung. So to start this conversation, I was hoping you could introduce yourself. Sure. Um, I'm I'm Ji Yoon, um, based in New York City currently. I source, cup, roast, and curate coffees for Bean and Bean Coffee. Um, My mother and I are the coffee team at Bean and Bean Coffee. Um, So there you go. Yeah. Okay. I'm following it. it. (laughs) No, you've got this. I think it's. It's always a funny question to ask people to introduce themselves because they're like, what do I include? Like, I know. What do I say? What do I say? Um, yeah, like how do I, it's like if you get in an elevator and you're like, what's what's my elevator pitch as I'm going up these flights? Um, let's talk about your history in coffee because I, I, like I was saying earlier, I usually start all these conversations with like, what is your coffee story or when did coffee first get introduced in your life? But you've really grown up in coffee. Yeah, um, so I was a high school senior when my parents opened their first coffee shop in downtown Manhattan at the time. Um, That was in 2008, actually, on the brink of the financial crisis. So uh, I, I have memories working behind the bar 
um, sometimes before school and sometimes after school and in the PM. Um, I remember uh, my dad and my mom talking to me about what the double A in Kenya double A means, um, why pea berry coffee is special and different, um, us having all these ventilation problems with the roaster set up <laughs> <laughs> on site. You know, Manhattan is a crazy place to be roasting coffee, um, especially given that our lo- the first location is nestled inside a Layout Park building um, that was built in the late 1800s. Um, all these regulations around uh, roasting ventilation, um, I, I remember um, all of that. And, you know, representing my parents, um, sort of being their ambassador and lawyer sometimes, attorney, um, negotiating with landlords. Um, Yeah, so for me, coffee is part of, um, it's it's always been part of my my upbringing, um, you know. Yeah, it seems like the minute your parents opened this business, you were right in the thick of it. What inspired your parents to want to open a coffee shop? My parents, before uh, immigrating to the U.S., uh, were always in food and beverage. Uh, They were um, one of the early franchisees of Wendy's Hamburger at the time in the 90s when um, fast food wasn't a thing yet in South Korea. Um, so through operating their Wendy's, uh, location, they sort of learned the ropes of how to operate, a, a food establishment. And I think that's when, um, my mom and dad started to be interested in coffee. Um, so when they moved here and um uh and and we're looking for um ways to build a new life uh in the US uh they they decided to to focus in on coffee as as a singular concept and i know it, it may sound crazy because um th- there's if there's anything that manhattan doesn't need any more of it's probably maybe coffee shops because there um there's a Starbucks on every corner um in the city but i think um what what we believed strongly was in freshly roasted coffee um and at the time in 08 um we were serving exclusively organic fair trade coffee so those were the two uh value props that um other coffee shops were not delivering so um even though the first location was only two blocks away from a big starbucks we were able to survive and um and and that location actually still stands yeah i was about to say it's no small feat to have a coffee shop that you built in 2008 still standing now Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that didn't come, that didn't come easy. Uh, we've had uh, so many ups and downs. Obviously the, the, the year that we opened was on the brink of the financial crisis. Um, so 
the first couple of years were very difficult. Um, and we just recently renewed the lease at that location. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a long history of 12 to now 13 years. And um, I think you really have to believe in, in your business and, and the community that you're serving and, and the network that you're part of to, um, to want to keep doing it. And it, it means a lot to us to uh, still have that first location standing. Was it always a given that you were going to work in the family business? Uh, that's a hard question to answer. Um, I want to say yes and no. I mean, um, you know, a lot of people ask me, uh, are you going to be in coffee for a long time? Or is, you know, is coffee going to be part of your career? And for me, it's it's almost an impossible question to answer um, because I can't really separate family from coffee from career. Uh, it's just always something that has been part of um, part of my life, you know, um, tasting and cupping coffees and um, always thinking about coffee. Um, recently, just yesterday, actually, I was doing a meditation exercise where they um, guided us to uh, to think of um, this green light um, in in inside our body and trying to hone in, in on that green light. And, um, and the exercise was to get us to, um, to activate our senses. What are we smelling? Um, what, what do we see with this green light um, activating in, inside of us? And um, it's so crazy, I started smelling coffee. So that's I don't know wild. what that says about me, but yeah. That's so that's so wild and cool because I think it just articulates exactly what you just said that coffee's so fundamentally a part of who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, I want to talk a little bit about the way that you're incorporated into the business because if you go to Bean and Bean's website or your Instagram account, you the branding talks about being a mother-daughter business. And that's why I was curious about if your role in Bean and Bean was always part of your plan or part of something that you always wanted to do, because it seems like it's probably evolved over time, I imagine. Definitely. Um, I, um, you know, I think t 10 years ago, um, I remember myself um, strongly believing that people didn't change. Um, and that there was this one version of the self that um, that stuck with us for for life. Because how do you change who you are, right? But I think um, you know, with with time, I've come to realize that it's it's if I frame it differently, um, people evolve, and so do businesses and and families and their stories, right? So. Um, I, I think the way we present ourselves and, and the way we relate to, uh, to, to the customers and our barista team and the rest of the world is, um, is evolving through time and always will be. I think the, the mother-daughter coffee team identity 
is um it's always been there but i think more recently i've been um spending a lot of time um trying to come up with ways to uh to tell our story to tell the family's story um of course my parents are immigrants from korea and there's a, a limit to how much they can tell their own story um and it's i almost take it upon myself to um to to be that uh that voice i love that you talked about the idea of evolution as something that happens to everybody and everything it's not just people changing it's not just ideas changing but it's whole identities it's whole businesses it's whole modes of expression because i think you're absolutely right it's easy to think that you know there are fundamental things about people right there are fundamental ways that we operate and some things are kind of immovable but i think the biggest like the biggest moments of excitement that i find in boss barista and in the way that I write and communicate about coffee is moments of evolution and change where I see things from a completely different perspective. So I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's not always apparent uh, or uh, detectable at the time um, as you are in this uh, inflection point uh, when you're about to change or when you have just gone through that 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 change or transformation um but and 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 a lot of that a lot of the realization of these moments of change and transformation come through time and and reflection i think so in and going back to your question um uh around the mother-daughter uh identity that's so core to uh being and being um to me it's only natural and organic to talk about the team that is behind sourcing and cupping and curating all the coffees that get put out um right and and there is a mother behind um the mother daughter coffee team and a daughter too so how do how do you and your mom work together what is that relationship like if you don't mind me asking cuz i am just I know that I mentioned this to you when we were emailing. I'm fascinated by partnerships and how people work together. So I was wondering if we talk a little bit about how you and your mom work together. Oh God, wow. <laughs> I I I'm lucky to have such a wonderful mom. Um I don't I don't know. I, I can depend on her for everything. Um so as it relates specifically to coffee. Um, it's almost like my experience of a coffee is not complete without having my mom taste it too. And after we've talked about it together, only then will my experience be complete. Um, and that is not to say that we have exactly same preferences when it comes to coffee. We actually don't, but I I just can't not um, have my mom taste the same cup of coffee and and talk about it um, because I I have to know what her experience was like in order to feel complete 
as it relates to that specific coffee. That's such a lovely sentiment. And it I had a conversation with somebody about the idea of dependency or the idea that we have relationships with people that feel just naturally part of who we are as people and how sometimes that's that's like seen as a negative, right? It's seen as like you should be able to do this thing on your own or you should be able to form an objective opinion without the influence of others. And you're a Q grader, so I'm sure that you've been told, you know, the protocols for like cupping and it's supposed to be totally objective and it's supposed Mm -hmm. to be without any biases. But I love that you seem to know that that's not always possible, that part of your experience having this coffee very much depends on this relationship that you have with your mom. Yeah, absolutely. Coffee to me encompasses um, everything about motherhood. Um, in that, um, beyond just my my own mother, um, you know, if you think about everything that it takes to um, drink a cup of coffee, there is a lot of so much care and um, patience, love, uh, nourishment, and nurturing that goes into um, bringing that cup of coffee to, uh, to people. So it's, of course, me and my mom, but before it ever arrives at our roasting plant, um, think of all the mothers, um, along that entire process, right? And, and all that, all of the, uh, the relationships that are formed. And as you say, the partnerships, um, that are supported by motherhood. Um, that's what's so beautiful to me about coffee. And and it, it takes time. And I think a lot of motherhood has to do with patience and time. Yeah, it seems like you've gleaned a lot of lessons from this partnership that you built with your mother. Obviously, you have a relationship with your mother um, outside of the business, but it seems like you probably have learned a lot working with your mother side by side within the business. And I love that you mentioned this idea that the relationships of motherhood translate throughout the coffee supply stream, because I think that speaks really beautifully to your commitment to gender equity. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, explain your commitment to gender equity for our listeners. Sure. Um, so our commitment to gender equity, um, we were talking about evolution and the evolution of identities through time. I think that um, for me, running a business is about being true to your core values and um, and and being able to realize and materialize those values and a, a tangible way because you have this amazing um, opportunity to do something about the stuff that you believe in, right? So, um, you know, as a small business, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And even doing something is a start. So as we think about the the core values that we believe in, um, 
coffee as a vehicle for for change. Um, I think it was a process for us to to um, to exactly articulate. You know, of all of the many problems that exist in the world, and of all of the things that need to be improved in the coffee world, in the world of coffee. Um, gender equity is one that we are strongly committed to, um, and of course, the coffees being um, powered by by me and my mother, we uh, we are uh, change agents um, in in a direct way. I, th- I mean, women are underrepresented and marginalized in the coffee industry, but going going back um, earlier. Uh, Along the value stream, um, my my mom and I have been fortunate to uh, super fortunate to be able to actually meet with uh, mother daughter coffee farmer producer teams, and um, their stories resonate with us so much. Um, you know, women women contribute to more than half, um, 70 percent of the coffees that get produced in the world, but they don't have an equal um, share of the pie. They, especially when it comes to international market opportunities, um, they they don't have that same access. So, what can we do as a small business um, that is in the business of roasting coffee and serving delicious coffee to to people in New York and beyond? Um, at what what can we do and I think it's a it, it comes down to um, being conscious and and making intentional purchase decisions and um, and and choosing um, with intention the partners at Origin that we want to support. So we have amazing partners. Um, we buy direct from some uh, some women led coffee farms and in countries where we cannot. Um, we uh, partner with intermediaries who are able to help us um, stay true to our our commitment. I like that you gave a really holistic answer to that question because I think it's easy to say, I believe in a thing and not really know what to do next with it, right? Like it's easy to be like, of course I believe in gender equity, but what can my business do? And then to hear you talk about, well, this is this is where we're at, right? Like we are a roasting operation. We sell coffee to people. This is the actionable step that we can take. And you really lined it up with your values as well. You're like, we are a mother-daughter team. This is what we can do. And this makes sense for who we are. And this is a way that we can actualize some of our beliefs. That was probably one of the most well-articulated <laughs> statements about values and actionable steps that you can take that I've ever heard anybody give to an answer like that. (laughs) But I imagine that that comes with work, right? Like you folks have had to sit down and say, what are our values? What do we believe in? And how do we consciously execute on that? Absolutely. Um, It takes so much work. And it's, it's, I think, again, I think business values are a reflection of the people that run the business. So to me and to us, it's not it's not just about coming up with 
values for the business, but being able to um, to articulate who we are as people and 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 transcribing that in, into business context. Um, so this is this is why I can't really draw the line between I can't really um, talk about myself and coffee and career in, in separate. Um, like I, I can't really separate them, which I think <laughs> a lot of people think I'm crazy, but to me, it's so natural. Right. Does it feel, I guess you answered that question, but it feels natural. Like it feels just part of you, right? Yeah, it, it does. Um, how has that, I feel like having such strong values has probably been the vehicle that's kept you afloat since 2008, like you mentioned, you opened in the middle of the 2008 financial crisis. Um, I graduated college the year after that, and it was really grim trying to get a job. Um, so I can completely understand just how scary it must have been to have a business at that time. And it seems like this very strong tied to what you're about and your values has really been the vehicle that's kept you not just afloat, but pushing forward because you folks have expanded, obviously, since that one location in downtown Manhattan. So how has, how have you been able to push forward? Like, what does that look like for you folks? That's, uh, that's something I think about all the time. Um, You know, what does growth look like? Um, and, and how can we grow? And again, tying this back to how I think about growth on a personal level, um, a very close friend of mine told me a couple years ago, why are you so fixated on, on growth? Like not everything is about progress and sometimes things are fine the way they are. And I don't know, it's something I'm grappling with, right? Because if you're not, if you're not growing, then, then what are you, what, what are you doing if you're not growing? Um, and, and to me, a lot of like that growth is, is so tied to learning. Um, and that's what's so beautiful about coffee because I'm learning every single day. Even if I'm tasting and cupping the same coffee um, three days in a row, it's going to be different. My experience is going to be different, and I'm going to pick up on different things. Um, and going back to your question about um, expansion, I think it's been difficult, right? Because you know you have to think about um, about how you want to be growing because unbridled, like just just crazy growth measured in terms of you know are you do you have three locations or do you have 10 locations um do you have um 10 baristas working with you or a uh, 300 barista team working with you um i think so so the way i i try to um gain clarity uh on on this topic for me personally, is um, to go back to purpose. Um, why am I doing anything that I'm doing? 
and um, how can I get closer to delivering that that purpose? And um, right now, at, at this moment in time, um, I would say that you know my purpose, my commitment is to keep finding and serving good coffee and to to make specialty coffee approachable and easy for for everyone um and using coffee as a a vehicle to do, to do good in the world um and we don't want to be a super exclusive coffee roaster serving only super exclusive coffees um i think uh there's there's so much more we can do um, as a business that serves uh, a staple um, good that people have every single day, it's it's so many million it's, it's millions of different touch points that that we can um, uh, create and shape in a positive way um, through coffee as as your neighborhood roaster. Um, so it's it's hard to yeah. So I don't know. I'm still. Um, trying to understand what growth means to me and what um what expansion means to us as as a business as a small business well it seems like you touched on two different ideas of growth a little bit the idea of growth as a mindset as a way of thinking about how to do things differently and better and then growth as tangible expansion like we are growing to two stores then three stores then four stores and that's a balance that I, I imagine that you have to grapple with a lot right like do we improve a system internally because you're always growing you're always doing better you're always learning or does growth look like we need to open up another shop and it seems like you really sit with that question like very very concretely right like you really sit with it and say are we growing just to grow? Or are we growing to actually serve a purpose to go back to our values? Yeah, um, uh, definitely. Um, I think growth can be difficult too, in in the sense that the if you grow too quickly, you lose control and you're unable to do things the way you want to doing them in that exact way um so i think organic growth and and growing with with intentionality and and a purpose is um very important something that i really liked about that last answer that you talked about was the idea of not necessarily always being the place with like, the fanciest coffees, but really being a neighborhood roastery, being a place that serves the community. And I think that people are starting to parse those things out. The idea that the pursuit of quality is not always the end-all be-all. Not to say that you're not producing quality coffees, but you don't have to have a super fancy Gesha coffee to be the best perhaps being the best is assessing where you are in your community and being able to serve that community where they're at. And I was wondering how you think about translating your message to your community. Sure. I think a lot of that has 
been done through our um, our choice of where to open our locations actually uh, following the first one. Um, so our other locations currently are in Chelsea, right next to FIT. Um, mm -hmm. This is where a lot of the creators and students come. Um, and then our roastery is in Little Neck, where it's, which is very close to where I grew up and where my family first uh, moved to. Um, so it's kind of like our way of going back to where we came from and serving that immediate community. Um, and, and that location has a lot of families and um, there's a, 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 an elementary school right uh, next block to us. So lots of teachers coming um and moms <laughs> um and 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 families on the weekends um for snacks and um and uh quick grabs just to hang out um and so pre covid i think a lot of our um that that connectivity and 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 that um service as a, a neighborhood uh coffee roaster and coffee shop was um, facilitated through our offline touch points with customers. Um, and that's being challenged because of COVID, right? You don't have ownership over that, um, over, over the, the entire customer experience from having them enter, uh, interact with baristas, uh, being part of their decision-making process and serving them that coffee and having them enjoy your space and, Sp spend time in, in your space, right? Um, and giving back to the community in that way by providing this experience that goes beyond just the coffee, but is so tied to the, the spatial and time element. Um, and my mom designed all of the locations. So the core thing that she kept in mind when designing the, the stores was comfort. Um, so how can we deliver comfort um, to people? Uh, we we want everyone and anyone to be welcome to our locations and just be able to relax um, over a cup of coffee. This is something that I'm thinking about a lot. Uh, how do we translate those experiences in an online first world through COVID and beyond? And that that touches on a lot of um, my priorities at, at the at the moment. Um, how do small businesses make um, effective and, and smart pivots to be online first? Um, and this goes for not just our uh, business, but for all coffee businesses and all small businesses that are going through a similar transformation. Yeah, I went to your website and I saw that you have so many options to engage online. You can take a cupping class. You can take a cold brew class. Uh, you can do you. You have them set up via Zoom, so that's also a super. You know, that's a platform that so many people know. So, what has that looked like for you? What has post COVID life looked like for Bean and Bean? I think there are two um, uh, two main um, considerations. One is how do we make that online pivot for the offline brick and mortar business? And then the second is, 
how do we um, open up new opportunities for us um, online um, in a, a domain that did not exist before. So the, the first, speaking to the first, I think um, I have more faith now in uh, delivery platforms. Um, I might change my mind in a couple of weeks, but, uh, but I think there is opportunity for um, traditional brick and mortar businesses to really get that right, the, the ops down um, and, and try to work with delivery platforms um, as a way to, to withstand the craziness of COVID um, in the months to come. And then, and, and also um, any sort of anything that makes that customer journey and that customer experience um, as uh, COVID proof as possible is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, and then speaking to scoping out new opportunities, I think we have to think about um, as small business owners, we have to think about, you know, how are people interacting and uh, in this increasingly um, digital first world, um, what do people crave and how can we um, deliver our services, not exactly in the way we were delivering our services uh, pre-COVID, but how, like how can we adapt? And, um, and for us, it's you know, delivering joy through cups of coffee how can we create similar experiences online and um, the, the classes, the Zoom tastings and, and classes that you are referring to um, are a way of doing that. I've really enjoyed this conversation in a way that I didn't expect. And part of that is because this is the first time you and I are talking to each other. But it seems like in general, you're just an incredibly thoughtful person. And I was wondering if that, if that tracks, like how would, how would people describe you? <laughs> um, ooh, this is a hard question. Um, I know. I, I would say um, the, the first word that people used to describe me as curious and Maybe thoughtful is a close second. So um, you're you're very sharp, Ashley. I just probably the biggest joy that I get in conversations like this is obviously talking about the practical ways in which you do business because I think that's incredibly illuminating and it's powerful to have these things on record. It's almost like a living record of where the coffee industry is at in this moment. But I think more so than that is really figuring out the way that people think and the way that people attack problems and the way that they look at their businesses or they look at their careers or they look at just the way that they live their lives. And they're like, oh, I do these things this way and I think about these problems this way. And I know that that's like super nebulous. That's not um, a very concrete mindset. But to me, that's what's most compelling about these conversations. And I feel like instead of maybe digging wide, we really dug deep on a couple of small points that are 
actually incredibly large. And I think it's because you have such an introspective and inquisitive way of looking at the world. Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I think before, um, so I'm taking time off of, off grad school right now, but right before I started grad school, I was, um, living and working in Korea for a couple years, um, before returning to the U S and, um, my, my last job was in user experience, UX design. I worked for a search engine company, um, and did UX design for their maps, uh, their map service, like sort of like Google maps, but the Google maps of Korea. And what I enjoyed so much about doing UX is that you essentially what you're doing is you're trying to understand why people do what they do and why people consume what they consume and respond the way they do. And it's really getting to the core of um, understanding human behavior. I think UX, user experience, um, goes beyond technology, like that the, the material app or um, platform. I think coffee is all about user experience because you set up an offline shop, you, you design the bar to be a specific way. You place the espresso machine um, at a specific location on, on the bar. You have your pastry um, shelf exactly where you want it to be and place tables and chairs um, in, in those exact locations with intention, right? Because you want to create this amazing experience for customers when they come in. And also on the back end, you're designing the, the espresso bar and the whole ops uh, layout to be as convenient and easy for the baristas too. So it's you're you're designing the space and the experience for both the team internally and for for, for the customers that you're serving. Um, so uh, so I you know I feel like I'm still doing UX type work right now. That totally makes sense. And I think that knowing that background about you really informs the way that you approach how you view your business and how you think about growth and all the things that we've talked about in this episode. Before we sign off, is there anything that you'd want people to know about you or to know about Bean and Bean listening to this? Sure. Um, I think uh, I think um, something you said earlier about um, pursuing quality for the sake of quality. Um, so one of my more recent realizations have been that quality is heavily relative and contextual. There is no absolute definition of you know high quality versus low quality. And um, I'm so happy that I know this now mm -hmm. uh, because when I have all of my coffee equipment and, and that, that setup is perfect at, at my home, I'm able to make coffee in a very specific way using all the equipment that is available to me versus when I am at a friend's house who 
has zero equipment versus when I am um, hiking or on a backpacking trip, I don't have access to the same things and the, the same tools, right? So just thinking about it in my own context, um, quality is intensely relative. And I think this applies for, for across all people too. So, you know, I one one way of making specialty coffee and the mission behind specialty coffee as accessible as possible to people, to me, entails understanding exactly this, that quality is contextual and, and relative. So I'm coming up with, uh, with new ways to do that. Um, and, and it's so exciting, um, you know, designing experiences and coming up with new innovative ways to have people interact with coffee and everything that um, is behind that coffee. Jean, thank you so much for taking time to chat with me. This has been a really lovely conversation and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Ashley. This was so fun. I, I loved your thoughtful questions. That was Ji Yung Han. You can learn more about Ji Yung and Bean and Bean Coffee by visiting their website, www.beanandbeancoffee.com. Instead of and, it's a little n, beanandbeancoffee.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. I'm just looking for a better day. Boss Barista is produced by me, Ashley Rodriguez. You can find a transcription of this episode on my newsletter along with an accompanying article about this episode every Thursday at bossbarista.substack.com. To support the show, you can visit www.patreon.com bossbarista. We have over 80 patrons supporting the show right now, which is incredible. And that helps keep the show alive. We pay guests through this fund, we pay for website hosting, and we make donations. Half of our patron donations are currently pledged to five different nonprofits, each at $50 a month. Asada's Daughters, the Loveland Foundation, the Native American Rights Fund, the Grocery Run Club, and the Chicago Community Bond Fund. Again, if you want to support Boss Barista, consider making a monthly donation at www.patreon.com slash bossbarista. Another amazing way to support the show is to share this episode with just one person, a friend, someone who you think would learn something from this episode, anybody. Sharing on social media is also a huge help, along with giving us a five-star review on Apple iTunes. As a small production, these things matter a lot. So if you can take a little time, share out some of your favorite quotes from this episode, and tag us, that would be amazing. We're at Boss Barista Podcast on Instagram and Boss underscore Barista on Twitter. You can also send me an email at bossbaristapodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>